0: to Making Sense of Movies. I'm Claire.
1: I'm Elena and welcome to the podcast. Yes and
0: today we're talking about uh, thrillers which is definitely one of the more popular genres that uh, we haven't gone over yet. The first movie we're going to talk about is Gaslight which started it all if you've heard of the term gaslighting which means sort of to slowly drive someone else to think that they're going out of their mind. Yeah. Um, This is where that term came from. Um, And this is the 1944 movie. There's, I believe, three different versions of Gaslight. uh, But this one is directed by George uh, Kukar. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And this was based off a play, um, which it's called A Victorian Thriller in Three Acts, which I think is very appropriate. And obviously, this is the first time I watched this movie and I really liked it.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely really like this movie, even though you kind of know where it's going to go from the start of it. Uh, it's about our main character Paula, who's played by um, Ingrid Berman who won the Oscar for this role and she gets married very quickly to this other man named Gregory and they move into her, uh, her aunt's house, who was this famous famous opera singer um, who was murdered because someone was trying to find these precious jewels within um, her home and Paula starts hearing all these weird sounds and like the lights start changing. Um, dimming, And she believes she's going out of her mind. And spoiler alert, but the husband, Gregory, ends up being behind everything. Yeah. Going into this, you kind of know that, like, oh, he's the villain. He's the one who's doing all this to her. But I think it'd be really interesting to hear about this from someone who, like, just had no idea what this was about.
1: But... So I obviously I know like we were we did psychological thrillers for this episode so I knew going into this um that it was going to obviously someone was going to be gaslighting her um but I really didn't know like what else was about. I didn't know like what it was surrounding, where it was taking place, who any of the characters were. But yeah, it was just it, it you can definitely like tell what's going to happen. You know from the beginning that he's doing this because you see him do this. You see him tell her um, it kind of starts out slow. Um, you know that she basically, so she sees her aunt murdered. Uh, she doesn't see her murder. She finds the body, and they send her to Italy to learn how to sing um, So they want her to be like her aunt, like the famous opera singer. She falls in love with this uh, composer. They're they know each other for two. They're together for two weeks, and then they get married. And you kind of start to see like very how controlling he is. I mean, you, the thing about this movie, why I think we kind of put it in the thriller, is that you don't know why he's doing this. Like, yeah. you don't know why he's making her crazy. And I think that was something that I kept thinking about. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of starts slowly where he, he's kind of like, oh, like, you've been really forgetful lately. And you, you know, you're just, like, really tired all of a sudden. And she's like, I don't think I'm forgetful. Like, I don't think I'm tired. And then he gives her a brooch. And she loses the brooch, which in reality, she doesn't. He hides it, but she believes she lost it. She's like, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe I am getting forgetful. And he leaves every night and she starts to hear these noises. And anyone in her house, um, Elizabeth, who's the cook, and Nancy, who's the other maid, are like, I don't, like, what are you talking about? I don't hear anything. I don't see the gas dimming, which is one of the big things in the movie. Um, And then, like, as an audience member, I knew she wasn't crazy, but I can see how you can think that because no one else is corroborating her story.
0: Yeah, and he's just being so, like, controlling and manipulative in such a subtle way. Yeah. To the point where she's, even though she's perfectly healthy, she's unable to do basic things. Like, she just wants to go for a walk and she's having second thoughts about, like, oh, what's, uh, what's Gregory going to say? Like, uh, when she's having a conversation with uh, one of the maids... She's asking, oh, you're going alone? Uh, where are you going? Which kind of drives her to go back into the house. So she's been cut off from everyone else within the community. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't know that many people to begin with, but there is this old lady across the street who's always popping in and out of the story for comedic reasons. Yeah, she's funny. Uh, she's,
1: yeah, no, she was funny. She's very nosy. The whole thing is that... Um, the, obviously, it's been, it was very famous that the aunt died and she was strangled. They they never knew what happened. The old lady is like, I just really want to go into the house and, like, see where this woman was murdered. Because she's, like, she's obsessed with murder mysteries, which I think is very... Um, honestly, like, for a movie made in 1944, it's very much today, if you think about, like, true crime thrillers. You meet the old lady, like, reading a, a murder mystery book, and she's like, I love this. Um, but, yeah, so she is very funny. And it isn't until... Um, we have this detective who kind of sees Paula and he knew her aunt and he's like, oh, she looks like the aunt. Um, But, and she she can kind of tell there's something going on. Obviously the old lady knows too. Like, she's always like, oh, it's really weird. Like, she never leaves. Paula never leaves the house. And you only see him like leave at night. Like, they're a very weird couple. And it's like for him to kind of be like the detective to say like, wait, there's something wrong. And he like, keeps pursuing this.
0: Yeah, because he really wants to meet her, but every time uh, that he goes um, to the house or something, or I don't know if he went to the house, but every he did time once. he something, yeah, the maid's either say, oh, the master isn't allowing that, or, oh, the master says uh, she's not healthy enough to see anyone. So it's never directly through her. It's always through him. When yeah. He, it's one of the reasons why he's like, yeah, this is something to look out for, because it's all... All oh, really weird.
1: There's um, also like the two maids, the cook and um, the maid Nancy. I feel like they were also like enabling him to do yeah. this, you know. So like mm-hmm. Nancy, I I don't like Nancy. She's very annoying. But her yeah, whole... Nancy was
0: really annoying. But I I think it was so interesting how they cast her to look so much like um like Paula. Yeah. And I kept on thinking something was gonna come into that because while I was watching, I kept on thinking. Are they trying to kill off Paula so that Nancy can come into the picture for some reason because maybe they're in cahoots and know a secret and just have to own the house or something yeah. like that? I mean, that really never never came into it, but those are definitely two uh, interesting characters.
1: There's definitely, like, a flirtation between Gregory, the husband, and Nancy, but Nancy yes. was also the one who like was constantly questioning Paul. Like when Paula wanted to go on a walk, Nancy would be like, what am I supposed to tell your husband? Where are you mm-hmm. going? And Paula would like completely like break down. And one of the saddest parts of this whole movie is she she wants to go to the basically like a I forgot like a recital. Um, mm-hmm. that one a woman who knew her aunt, she really wanted to go. And Gregory sends a letter saying, oh, my wife is too sick, we're not gonna go. But then she gets dressed and she's like, you know what, I'm going. And she's very, like, she's a very strong woman. It's just like this man keeps, like, pushing her down. um, Because she, like, you can tell throughout the movie that she's capable of living on her own. Mm -hmm. It's never that she needed Gregory. It was more that um, he just kept, like, making her doubt herself. And when they eventually, like, Gregory's like, you know what? If she's going to go without me, that's not going to look well because everyone's not going to think she's crazy. So he goes with her and he pretends that he, that she stole his watch and she starts, like, freaking out and crying and everyone is looking at her and I felt so bad. Because I'm like,
0: oh, she just wanted to have a good night out and he's just ruining her life for literally no reason at all. And even though you can't have a story without... Gregory gaslighting her
1: Yeah,
0: like I feel like realistically he could have gone through that in a way where it's like oh I'm just like going up to the attic to like oh I'm actually going to have half of the attic with all of your aunt stuff and half of it for like a work area for myself since it's more quiet up there like you literally could have thought of any, any excuse but he just like going about trying to ruin her life
1: yeah he definitely could have tried to find the jewels easier um, but he decided to go with the creepy route and to make his wife crazy. And the reason like I kind of thought about it is that so the whole point and he and you don't realize this until the end of the movie is that he was the one who killed her aunt. he was looking for the jewels. So he's been planning this for 10 plus years because they don't she doesn't come back to London um, after her aunt's death. She stays in Italy for 10 years. Mm-hmm. so he's been planning this for 10 years and the reason like he wants her to go crazy is so that he gets possessions of everything in the house including the house itself yeah that way when he finds the diamonds they're his they're not hers mm-hmm. Which is terrible and it also makes you think about like in the beginning of the movie he talks about how his when before you they go to london they're in italy and he talks about how his dream is to live in London and to London Square and she's like oh you know what like I happen to have a flat there and now that I'm thinking about it I'm like like oh he was just so gross the whole time
0: yeah that actor though was really good because uh Gregory's character just had such dead eyes all the yeah. time yeah
1: he, he looks creepy just,
0: and he was just so easy to hate mm-hmm. and that's why at the very end of the movie when the policeman does end up showing up and is uh, he has the second glove which he was given to uh, by Alice uh, back when he was a child because um, one of the things Paula was always saying was that, oh, Alice was always telling me this story about how she lost the second glove but would never tell me where the glove is. And so he comes back with the second glove and kind of tells her you're not going crazy. This is what your husband's doing. I've been watching him, and that moment, there was just so much satisfaction to see Paula kind yeah. of get life back and be like, oh my god, I'm not going crazy, but then she ends up thinking the policeman was never there, because she's just so uh, used to believing yeah. what her husband is saying.
1: You could assume like, it's been, like, like, six or seven months of this going on, and it's like the constant yeah. abuse obviously, like, got to her, because- mm-hmm. The whole thing is that, like, Elizabeth answers the door, and it's the detective. The detective is yeah. like, um, like, you were right, Paula. And the one thing that, like, he notices, he's like, oh, did, did, like, did it just get dimmer in here? And even just to hear that, Paula's like, wait, you're seeing that, too? Because everyone else, like, the maids are like, no, that's not happening. And then once he explains everything, he's like, oh, I'm going to go get your husband. So he leaves and when the husband comes back, he realized that someone opened his desk and he goes to Paula and he's like, did you open it? And she's like, no. And he's like, why are you lying to me? And she's like, I've never lied to you. I, I didn't open it. He did. And he, like, husband's like, what are you talking about? And she goes, oh, Elizabeth will tell you. She answered the door and Elizabeth is like, I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah. And I was like, why are you doing that? And then she just, she just had like a really good high and then a very terrible low. Um
0: I love I love Paula and you know in the end it ended up working out for her yeah um, but I always hate stories where you have a character and you're like, gosh I know going into this movie that I'm gonna have to watch this person suffer the whole entire yeah. time I don't want to see that
1: I um, do like yeah. the end so in the end the detective and the husband go to the attic and the detective ties him up and the husband Gregory he's like Paula's like, oh I want to talk to him alone. The detective's like, you shouldn't do that. And she's like, no, no, I want to. And Gregory's kind of trying to manipulate her into freeing him. And he's like, oh, there's a knife in that drawer. Um, and she takes out the knife and she goes, oh, I don't see a knife. Did you steal it? Because you said there was a knife in there, but now there isn't. So you must have stolen it. And she kind of starts giving him back to like mm-hmm. all like those months of like abuse and manipulation. And I really enjoyed that because it was like, she finally has his confidence back. And she's yeah. like, I know I was right this entire time. So it was great
0: no i definitely That i, I love that part and that was just such a like for how tense that scene was like it was also so funny to see her do that and i was just like this is just so refreshing and i'm happy for you paula
1: yeah same one of my also favorite parts of this movie paula's dresses were great mm,
0: uh, um yeah
1: especially the white dress she had yeah when she goes to the reception like i love that album. that one was great I also really liked kind of um, it was like the house was very shadowy. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, yeah. There's one scene where Gregory and Paula are are arguing, and it's just their shadows. You can just see their shadows in like the doorway. Um, I yeah. thought that was really cool, and they have this really cool scene where Gregory is like walking in the fog, and you this is before you know where he's going. So he's kind of like he's supposedly walking to work, and then he disappears, and you're like, what happened?
0: yeah and the police are there, and they're also like, How could you have lost him? like where did he go? yeah, um, so I think
1: they they used a a good kind of visual to real to kind of like let the audience know like there's something weird going on <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. any so, last yeah, thoughts I,
0: I no that's that's it for me, but I would definitely recommend this movie and i I personally do want to go watch the other versions of Gaslight. Same. Uh, maybe not the one prior, but I definitely want to see um, the remake remake of this one and see what changes they have made to this story, just because it does seem like a very straightforward story in a way. So yeah. I want to see what they thought need to be remade from it.
1: I do, yeah. I definitely would be interested in that, too. Um, our next movie Is Silence of the Lambs, a good crime psychological thriller. I've seen this movie so many times. This was like a it's a classic, like serial killer movie. I think that definitely started this the craze. I feel like definitely for me personally, like watching this and then going to watch like criminal minds was like something I did.
0: Oh yeah, no, I I also like every time this movie's on TV, I'll definitely watch it. And actually the first time I was ever introduced uh, to this movie or the idea of it, I was in a, like one of those Halloween stores that had like all the scary decorations. Mm -hmm. And there was a Hannibal Lecter, uh, like statue where you could press the button and he talks. And I was (laughs) so young, but I pressed the button and he was like, good evening Clarice. And I was like, oh my God, that's my name. How did this statue (laughs) Uh,
1: That's so so funny. I,
0: I think this movie is so well done. I agree. And it's just like you don't want to take your eye from the screen at any second. I just feel like there's nothing in this movie that I would take out personally.
1: Yeah. I agree. I also read the book. Um oh. you don't know they're based it's based off Silence of the Lambs, I feel like who the author is. Um, but I read the first two, which is Red Dragon and then Silence of the Lambs. It's a pretty it's a pretty faithful book to movie adaptations. Like things I didn't think they would put in this movie. With some Like from the book that they did, there's like a scene where she's going to the entomologist and they're playing like chess or checkers with the bugs that's like taken straight from the book. So I really enjoyed that. If you don't know the plot of Silence of the Lambs, it follows Cali- uh, Clarice Starling, who's a FBI agent, and she's kind of put on the case for uh, Buffalo Bill, who is a, a killer who, had- who has been killing and abducting women and then taking kind of cutting out their skin. Um, and you don't know why he's doing this. You don't know who this is. They kind of just nickname him Buffalo Bill. I, I forgot why specifically. But she's put on the case because the senator's daughter was taken. And um, the head of the FBI of the unit says go to, to Clarice, oh, you should go talk to Hannibal Lecter. He might have some insight on this case. And Hannibal Lecter is played by Anthony Hopkins, who basically is a serial killer who would eat his victims. Hannibal mm-hmm. the Cannibal, um, and he uh, basically kind of, like, profiles him. They kind of have this really weird relationship where he wants to know more personal things about Clarice, and in in, in order for him to, like, once he knows that, he'll give more information about the killer. Mm-hmm. It's very creepy. Yeah,
0: Buffalo Bill's sort of like a copycat of Hannibal Lecter, not in the eating person sense kind of way, but was just, like, inspired by him. Yeah.
1: You which didn't... is
0: uh, why uh, Hannibal Lecter is such a, like, a big part of this movie, because they have to go to him in order to find out uh, what Buffalo Bill is doing. Yeah. Um, and Anthony Hopkins does an amazing job. He won for this role, and he was only in it for 16 minutes.
1: Yeah, it was the, good.
0: The shortest amount of screen time uh, for winning an all. I
1: don't think Thanks. so.
0: Sixteen
1: minutes. I think the woman who was in um, what is, who is it? Um, she was played Queen Elizabeth. I thought she was in it for like nine minutes. Oh really? Okay.
0: Well, well I can fact check that then. Um. But we'll continue.
1: We'll continue. Yeah, we'll continue. Um, right but also Jodie Foster won an Oscar for playing uh Clarice Starling. Very well done. Um, as well. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah, it's love- a good crime crime movie also because you see from the other side as well so you're seeing like you see the abduction of the senator's daughter you see what Buffalo Bill is doing uh-huh. and you know that like when they're when like the FBI is doing something they're nowhere close to where he is or even knowing who he is and the whole thing is like all these like twists and turns um that kind of lead them to obviously knowing who Buffalo Bill is and uh-huh. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, sorry, I was just looking it up. So, yeah, you're right. It was Judy Dench uh, for, for eight minutes in Shakespeare in Love. I told you. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so going back to Silence of the Lambs, uh, one of the things I love is the opening scene with uh, Clarice in it when she's doing her FBI training, and especially the one shot where she gets into the elevator with all the rest of the guys, because I just feel like that sets such a scene for, this is such a predominantly male uh, job. Yeah, in field. And we see that later because there's another scene where
1: the they're going to... Boss, oh, um, I thought another the scene where they go, she goes to the funeral to examine the body.
0: Yeah, no, that's the scene I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, man. continue.
1: Uh, and Jack Crawford is saying that, like, oh, we
0: should talk about this some other time because uh, it would ha- had to do something of a sexual nature and uh, Clarice was there and obviously, Jack didn't feel bad about talking about that stuff around Clarice, but he was like, oh, I have to, like, set a precedent for everyone else since everyone's watching me. But, uh, and Clarice kind of comes back and is like, well, that's, like, not the way to do it because everyone is watching you, so you shouldn't say stuff like that.
1: Yeah, you should treat her like an equal. Yeah, it definitely yeah. has some, like, commentary about that because she is the only female on the team. And mm-hmm. that kind of, in some way, goes to her advantage because Cannibal Lecter will, like, talk to her compared to anyone else. Yeah. I also really like the scene where um, Clarice is interviewing Hannibal Lecter just kind of like, cause you know, there's all this tension and there's all the other people in, he's in a mental institution in there and they're like yelling and screaming and she has to walk this like long hallway Mm -hmm. to get to him. So I've always, I always liked those scenes. Yeah. That's a
0: really tense one. I'd say my favorite scene would definitely be, uh, the very end scene where uh, Buffalo Bill turns off all the lights and is yeah. looking through um, the, the night scene glasses. Yeah, yeah. Just because that whole scene where Clarice is in the house is so stressful. And at the very end of the movie, uh, like, my mouth hurt. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I had my jaw clenched for that whole, like, 15 minutes or so.
1: Yeah. If you don't know that what that scene is, is at the end of the movie, they th- they know who Buffalo Bill is. But Clarice, she finds a connection between one of the victims. Because Hannibal Lecter said that he knew, that Buffalo Bill knew his first victim. So she starts to interview some of her friends. And she gets to this guy, um, I think Jack. And she doesn't know that he's the killer. But obviously we do. We know what he looks like. So she's like going through the house. And she's just kind of like, and you kind of think like at any moment the shoe will drop. And then mm-hmm. she sees, um, I think like a headless moth. And that's important because one of the victims had a moth stuffed into her mouth.
0: Yeah, and he, um, he also she also sees all the yarn that's there. So she, uh, she knew that he was making, like, a dress out of skin, um, and so he must have been a good sewer. And yeah. he had all the sewing equipment there as well.
1: Yeah, and then she, like, pretends to leave, and you think everything's going to be fine, and then it's not.
0: Yeah, <laughs> then all hell breaks.
1: Yeah, exactly. But that was a great ending because it really, like, amps up the tension.
0: Uh, Another part of this I like is that the part where Hannibal... uh, So, one of the reasons Clarice got Hannibal to talk so much is because she promised, oh, I can get you moved to a new facility where you're going to have a window and um, just, like, a place to see nature outside. Yeah. And he agrees to it and they're transferring him over and they're, they're in this middle zone where he's in the ca- this cage in the middle of, I don't know, this really big room, and he ends up attacking two of the guards and cutting off one of their faces, and in order yeah. to escape, he gets that face and puts it on his own so they can transfer him to an ambulance instead of the real man, Yeah, it was- and I totally forgot about that part, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's like, so creepy, but, like, very clever on Hannibal
1: Lecter's part. Yeah, I love that scene because it's just so unexpected. Like, it's become iconic, kind of, yeah. what he does and the music that's playing. He's listening to, like, classical music, and then he just, like, goes, like, really violent. Um, I also just love Hannibal Lecter and how he talks. Um, some, like, classic lines when he talks about, he, um, he, talking about one of his victims, he goes, I ate his liver with some fava beans. <laughs> and, of course, the end of the movie where... So at the end of the movie, obviously, he escapes, and he's calling Clarice at this party, and he goes, oh, I'm having an old friend for dinner. And that's just, it's like a throwaway line for anyone else but him to have.
0: Yeah.
1: This um, is yeah, so great. No, what a great way to end the movie. Yeah. Just, like, a fun fact about this, because I did read the first uh, first book's called um, Red Dragon. So he's mentioned, so Red Dragon is about Will Graham. If you ever watched the show Hannibal, that follows oh, like- him as well, um, about how Will Graham... He's catching this new killer, but it goes back, flashbacks to how he caught Hannibal Lecter. And there was such a response to, like, this Hannibal Lecter character that, like, the author was like, okay, I'm going to make a book more prominent with him more prominent in it. And then he wrote Silence of the Lambs.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't know that at all. And I actually, I watched the Hannibal TV show, and I didn't know that uh, Will was already an existing character. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: So he's the one, like, who caught him and... Well, there's a whole other thing. It was actually a really good book. Not that great of a movie. <laughs> but this, see, I definitely recommend the TV show. The TV show's really good.
0: Um, I had to... The, yeah, no, the one thing that I do like about the movie is I can't handle, like, gross stuff that well. And while Silence of the Lambs does have gore in it, I feel like it's not totally outright disgusting. Yeah, I agree. I, there's a few scenes... Because with the Hannibal. TV show, it got to a point where I'm like, this is too much body manipulation. Like, the only thing I can think of from Silence of the Lambs is where um, Hannibal ends up carving that one guy so he had like wings out of his skin.
1: Yeah, that um, was a very um, tense scene. Yeah, like I feel like in the movie, I think also it's just like the time period. There wasn't that much like gore. Um, there is a scene where she finds he. She's like, he's like, oh, you should go talk to one of my old was it like victims like he was a therapist and he was one of his old patients and it's literally like she finds his head in a jar oh yeah (laughs) yeah that was very creepy um I was always like I remember that scene because I watched this when I was like in high school so that scene always like really stuck out to me so Mm -hmm. you're just not expecting it you're like oh why is she going into this container oh that's weird there's a car and then it's like a glass jar with a a, like a fully like formaldehyde head in it so Mm -hmm. definitely very interesting
0: yeah, um, I'm trying to think if I have any more takeaways from this movie. This is definitely one of my favorites, though. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: It, oh, it
0: won! It won five Oscars: Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, um, Best Director, and then Best Writing, which I feel like deserved for all of it. Honestly, yeah,
1: it's definitely it's very well done. Definitely, mm-hmm. I recommend if you haven't seen it to to watch it. It's yeah. They they have a new, there's a new TV show that's about, like, Clarice after this.
0: Oh, yeah, wait, I saw commercials for that.
1: Same, I was just, I just reminded myself, I was like, oh. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think Clarice deserves a TV show because she's one of, I think, the, like, the best characters in movies.
1: Yeah, I agree, she's a a very compelling character, and Jodie Foster did a great job. Yeah, alright, shall we move on to our next movie? Yes, our next movie is Memories of a Murder. Um, directed by Bong Joon-ho. We've talked about his other movie, Parasite, and movies that fucked us up, along with another director's movie on this list that we'll be talking about later. Um, I literally had no idea what this movie was about going into this. Claire was the one who picked it. <laughs> and honestly, this is
0: one that I've been wanting to watch for a while since uh, AMC recently was reshowing it, and I just never gotten around to it. But all of Bong Joon-ho's movies are good, so I'm like, oh, I... I really do want to watch this. Uh, and the premise is, it's a small uh, Korean town, and it's two detectives who are trying to figure out this case where there's um, women being raped, but there's it's always on a rainy night, and it's always after a certain song is played on the radio, which they find out prior or later, um, but they just have no idea who did it, and they're going through all the different people um, in the town, who they think might have not a motive, but we're like we're in the same or we're in the location.
1: Um, yeah, they also um, so we have one detective who's coming from Seoul, and we have another detective who's from that town. The detectives from that town, I'm gonna say this a little bit not not great detectives. Uh, um, yeah, no, I agree with that. There's He's a not a, good a great comedic factor where one of the detective keeps drop kicking. The suspects. That like, was so funny. Like this movie is pretty dark, but there's moments where it's, it get it's very, it's funny, and I think he does a really good job because it could get quite grotesque. So one of the first yeah. scenes is you have um, I forgot what his character is called, but the detective who's from the town, he's he's, um, he's there to because someone reported a body, and he's in this like field. I think it's like a wheat field or something. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like a sewer, and he looks underneath, and then you have these really grotesque shots of, like, a dark body and all these bugs. Mm -hmm. And that's our first murder. And then you go to the second murder, and I feel, like, very different to how the crime scenes were in Silence of the Lambs, where they're very organized. Here, the second murder was, like, chaotic. I don't know if you felt that...
0: No, I definitely felt that because it's just so different from the way we see crime scenes just portrayed on NCIS where there's like tape everywhere, cutting everyone off. There was just random people everywhere. And they kind of like for the first scene, weren't letting any of or the reporters were just kind of wandering through. And there was at one point a truck that goes over evidence, like a footprint that was left in the dirt.
1: Yeah. And there are people like going up to the body. Like there's no there's no forensics team there. And you just—it's like a tracking shot where you're following—not tracking shot, but you're like you're following the detective, and he's like, "What's going on?" I was like, "This is so chaotic!" Like something was always happening during that scene. Yeah. Um, but you kind of basically follow them as they try to find out who is who killed these women, who raped them and mm-hmm. killed them. And you first start out with um a man who was um disabled. I think he was like burned. Um, on, he was, like, burned on the, f- um, by, like, fire on his face when he was a child. He has, like, webbed fingers. And it's obviously not him. From, like, even, like, me as an audience member, you, you can tell he couldn't do it. He doesn't not, I mean, does he not have the, like, capacity? Yeah, it's just, like, I, I didn't think he did it, but the cops, I think they just wanted someone to. Yeah, that's
0: especially how the one cop who was from the town scene. Like he just wanted to. Uh, he was doing his job, but he did seem like wanted to arrest the first person to just have it kind of over with.
1: Um, yeah, and they like torture him, so yeah, they, they were, basically. Like, him and everything they
0: were. It, it was very different from how uh, a crime scene would have been handled, uh, or a suspect would have been handled uh, here, I suppose.
1: In some ways, maybe it's more realistic. In some ways, showing yeah. like these these cops who just want to get something done, not necessarily. Yeah. Because I think it's also because they just don't know. So they may have all this pressure because women keep dying. And yeah. there's also, there's other stuff going on. There are, like, all these protests. I don't really know, like, what's going on. It takes place in the 1980s. I don't really know, like, um, politically, like, what's going on in Korea. But clearly there was something else. Um, yeah, I think
0: the point of that, though, is to just show that, like, the reason they couldn't have so many people on the ground, like, watching the area is because there was, like,
1: other things going on elsewhere. Yeah. So once... So how they kind of... They basically are, like, about to arrest him. And he... He kind of... So they take him to the mountain. And they, they're, they like, digging a grave. And they're, like, oh, this is your grave. Like, tell us what happened. And um, he does have very, like... He does have, like, detailed accounts of what happened to one of the women. Mm-hmm. So they think it's him. And after they arrest him, they basically go to do this like reenactment of what happened and he's unable to do it. And then his dad comes and he's like, you beat him up. Like he's innocent. I can prove it. Um. They also like, they take his shoe and they do a fake shoe. So, that, like, so that's his evidence. That's our first suspect. And he's automatically um, taken out. And at this point we have the sole detective um, who I think is, more, much more equipped to what's going on. Like obviously, none of them have ever experienced something like this before. But mm-hmm. he's much more questioning. He is a bit more like he's a bit more observant.
0: Yeah, because he kind of knows, like, oh, uh, he couldn't have done it because of the way his hands are, and because um, all the women who have been raped so far, uh, they're always strangled with a piece of their clothing, and to have to take off that clothing, this kid couldn't have done that, yeah. which is why they the doing uh, the point of the reenactment.
1: Yeah. And then um they find, so once he's kind of done, they find a third body and then they kind of, they start eating meat. I kind of felt, thought that transition was a little... Oh
0: yeah, no, I remember that because then during that scene, uh, they had befriended the kid again.
1: Uh, yeah. and, I
0: was, and I was just like, what? what in the world? Like, why would the parents let these people
1: into their house like that's so forgiven so quickly yeah and then we have we, then you see what happens to the fourth victim so you see this girl she's like walking from the factory it's raining out and the whole idea is that at this point once the fourth girl has died they realize that um that the women were dying on rainy nights and they were wearing red mm-hmm. that was like one thing that, that the soul cop noticed and you see this woman in the sky, like, literally creeps out under the grass. Like, out of the grass. She's, like, walking on, a like, a dirt path. And there's a kind of, like, a trough and a lot of grass. Mm-hmm. He basically, like, jumps out and attacks her.
0: Yeah, that, that was really scary. Just because it happened so fast. Almost, like, and the way it was shot, it was, like, if you turn your flash on your camera really fast. Like, that's how much light yeah. you got from the lightning. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. You saw his face for, like, a split second and nothing more.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if he noticed this, but when there's a shot of her, she kind of like, not a wide shot, but you can see the grass behind her. And um, yeah. there's like, like a very blurry hint of like a head popping up. Yeah. That no, was I, so I creepy. That,
0: that was so scary.
1: Um. Just the whole
0: thing made me frustrated that, I mean, and I'm sure like they made it clear that there aren't a lot of resources that the, the detectives are working with. Yeah. But to have four women die in, like, basically the same location, I was just like, oh, my God, like, you guys have to, like, you have to be doing more. Yeah. Um, One of the other detectives, uh, the woman detective who's there, she's also the one who picks up on uh, the song and is in contact with the radio station and tried to figure out who's the one sending in this song every time there's a murder. And I like her just because she does a lot more than... um, the guy detective from the town. She does. She does. Yeah.
1: Um, and, and then our... the guy, oh,
0: I was just gonna say the guy detective from the town. One of his bright ideas was like, "Oh, since we haven't found any like hair DNA, that means he must not have any any pubic hair down there. So we should be searching for guys without pubic hair down there." Uh, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's like, I don't know. It seemed like something Homer Simpson would do."
1: Yeah, it was like not a good move. Um, yeah. and then our sec- second suspect is, um. Basically, the two guys, the two detectives from the town, they basically go to see, like, not like a psychic, but she gives them a spell, so they go back to the crime scene and do the spell, and then someone else comes, so they hide. So then it's the soul detective who was revisiting the crime scene. But then someone else comes, so the soul detective hides, and it's this guy who takes out underwear and starts masturbating. Mm -hmm. So they're like, holy shit, we found our killer, he's revisiting the scene. So there's this whole, like chase scene. Yeah. Which is a lot of running. Um and they end up finding him because he wears this, he wore this like kind of like women's like red underwear. And um one of the soul detectives, one of his big things, he he's not the one who drop kicks people. He like looks them in the eye and he's like, I can tell who's a criminal by looking at them in the eye. Mm -hmm. Um which is is a great is a great thing to have, except he's not right um most of the time. And so they start doing the same thing they did to the other suspect, which was beating him up and coercing him into confession to a crime he didn't do. Yeah, and when they
0: were going around asking his his neighbors about his character, like he's just taking care of his poor wife or his uh, sick wife, I mean, um, and he like goes to church every weekend, so he's kind of like a a straight laced guy, which besides like doing sketchy things out in the middle of the field.
1: Yeah. Which, and it was just very I was like, I was like, why do you still do this? And even like yeah. like um, the chief of the police is kind of is involved now because with the first suspect, it went so badly. like mm-hmm. the press was just like, what are you doing that they're like, he needs to be involved And still, he was like, no, this can't happen. Um, mm-hmm. He still let it happen. And then um, they were like hanging him upside down and I think another girl died, so they obviously it wasn't him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's
0: the, that was probably, I mean, these were all disturbing deaths, but what was, she was, like, a a high schooler.
1: No, Uh, no, this one before that.
0: That was the one before that? This one
1: had, so she had a peach, like, nine pieces in her, he put it in her vagina. It was very disturbing. That Um, was, I think, the the most disturbing part. Because you're just, you're not expecting it to be so gruesome, like, you, you, uh, to be quite like you're you kind of expected he has a pattern sure. and then this kind of like just throws you off um, mm-hmm. and then also before this victim the sole detective um, realizes that there was a victim who escaped mm-hmm. and he goes to talk to her and the only thing she said was that his hands were really soft and after I think this is the fifth victim um, they they kind of um, they kind of realize that it like they're trying to find the guy who's submitting. They kind they kind of start to believe the female detective. Like before, they were kind of like, okay, maybe like the person is submitting the song, but they find his address, and they go to him, and he's just kind of like, I'm not him.
0: But he's got the soft hands.
1: Yeah, he's got the soft hands, and they're trying to interview him, and this is the one time where they're trying to interview him right, and then. The guy just goes up and drop kicks him. And I was like, no. And that oh I forgot I Detective Moon. He's the one who's who's dropkicking everyone. And he kind of gets like beat up by the chief. Gets mm-hmm. pushed down the stairs. Cause the chief is like, we need to do this right. Because more and more women are dying.
0: Yeah.
1: Like we can't he can't be let go because we were torturing him. Um mm-hmm. and that was really sad. And then because of that, Detective Moon, there was the scene where um, he the g- guy who was suspected, he had to be let go because there was no evidence proving that it was him. Um, so people were following him. And during this point, they realized that the first suspect in the beginning, they were, um, the guy from Soul was like, to so the guy detective who, who was from the town, he was like, how did you coach him into... You know, knowing those details, and he was like, what are you talking uh-huh. about? He didn't know those details. So they realized that he witnessed the murder, so when go- trying to go uh-huh. find him, um Detective Moon was, like, drinking at the, drinking at, like, some restaurant. He just goes, fucking ape shit. Yeah, I was definitely not expecting that
0: scene. It was just kind of out of, it was just kind of out of nowhere. Um, yeah. It, it was probably, it was the only, like, straight-out brawl within the movie.
1: That's true, yeah. It was the only movie. And then he gets, like, a nail in his leg. And then oh, through this, they're trying to find the kid, uh, Quang Ho, finally have his name. In my, found my, his name in my notes, um, who was the first suspect. And while they're trying to find him to ask if they know who if he recognizes the killer, he gets hit by a train.
0: Yeah, yeah, that happens. That was... Also horrible to watch. This I feel like all the movies on this list could also fall under the category of yeah, this fucked me up. Because yeah, that scene I was like, oh my god, the way it's shot, that train is moving so fast. And you see yeah, his body get hit.
1: Yeah, and it's and like, his shoes. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, and then the sole detective is following the suspect, but he loses it, and this is when this uh, there's a schoolgirl that dies. And he, like, he really mutilated her. Like, that was the most gruesome. And uh-huh. the whole thing with that, they're watching um, the guy because they found some DNA on one, of the, on one of the victims. And they have to send it to a lab in America because they don't have the um, material or the equipment to, like, to test the DNA to someone else. So they keep waiting for these papers and the soul detective just becomes so, so jaded that he kind of starts also, like, thinking about killing him because he, like, he killed, he thinks he killed this girl. And there's that scene where they're in the tunnel, and he's, like, about to kill him. And it's the soul detective who was, like, torturing victims, uh, not victims, um, uh, suspects before, who was, like, you shouldn't do that, we should do this right. Like, you should yeah. wait for the papers. And he gets the papers, and it says that the DNA was inconclusive. It oh, didn't match. Uh,
0: were you expecting that at all?
1: No, I thought it would match.
0: I See, I didn't think it would match. I thought it was going to be, like, another detective there. Or some twist like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then at the the very end of the movie, um, the detective from Seoul goes back to the location of the first, um, the first murder that had happened um, in that, like, I don't know, like that small tunnel. Yeah, you with know, the wheat. There who yeah. also happened to be there um, all those years back, and she was saying, oh, uh, I came around here one time, and I actually saw a guy who, like, was also looking through the tunnel and said it, like, ha- was a significant area for him. Um, and he was like, oh, my God, like, this must have been the killer. Like, what did he look like? And she was like, oh, he was just, like, the most average-looking guy. Just so kind of, like... Showing that anyone is capable of horrible things. There's, like, not a stereotype for what the murderer is supposed to look like. Like, mm-hmm. anyone can, anyone is capable of something like that, and you could just never know.
1: Yeah. And then, also, um, that, well, that, that also, like, that you don't know. That was I also frustrating. Like, you just don't know who the killer is. Um, and then, this, I don't know if you know, this was based off of play.
0: Oh that I was didn't know that. That's interesting.
1: That was also based off like I think it's one of Korea's like first serial killers. Mm. That was very interesting. Um, I really like this movie.
0: Yeah, no, this is this was definitely a great movie. Especially I love the cinematography in it. There's so many shots that are very low to the ground. Yeah. Especially like for all the horrible, horrible, horrible things that happen. There's so much beautiful scenery in the area. Just uh, there's just so much wind and vegetation in all the shots, and like so much greenery where it's beautiful to look
1: at. Yeah, there's one scene of the soul detective. He's basically in this cabbage field, and he's just kind of standing off to the side. It was I was I loved. That's one of my favorite shots of the whole movie. Um, I also really liked how um Bong Joon Ho he did. It's, a, it's kind of like an ensemble movie. You can hear us kind of talking about all the different characters. But there's a lot of shots where every character is in that shot. It, he doesn't mm-hmm. do a lot of close-ups between people, so that was like something that I wasn't used to. If you think about like how ensemble movies are now, it's a lot of like different shots um, of each character. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see them all interacting in one scene. I really like that. Yeah, I agree. Oh, i speaking of everyone being in one scene.
0: There's one, the reenactment scene. Uh, where there's also um, another fight that breaks out when the father comes down to see the child. Yeah. Um, really good use of slow motion in that scene because um, you can just, like, see, even though it's supposed to be fast, everything, like, you can see what, exactly what everyone's doing. So yeah. I also really like that
1: scene. Yeah. I think overall, I think we've talked about this movie for, like, 20 minutes. Um, oh. <laughs> but I definitely recommend it. It's very gruesome if you're not into, like, gory. I definitely don't think you should watch this, but if you are able to watch it, I highly recommend. Mm-hmm.
0: Alright, so then, moving on to our next movie, um, also from Korea, um, it's Old Boy from
1: 2003.
0: Yes. Um. By uh, Chan Woo Park, uh, who also did The Handmaiden, I believe. Yes. Um,
1: we talked about that movie, and also the um movies that fucked us up. Handmaiden yeah. is... Yeah. I don't know why I didn't connect it while I was watching it. I love The Handmaiden. It is a movie yeah. that has gas and turns. Um, and this movie is l- nowhere the same plot, but just as much is happening. Uh-huh. I hadn't seen this movie. Claire had seen it. And I'm so happy you didn't say anything. Because literally, <laughs> I was just like, what's going on? <laughs> there, yeah, no. The, there
0: are just so many twists and turns. And I just, you're, you're watching this movie... Okay, well, to start off, I won't explain the whole movie because there is so much happening but so much. It's a man who gets kidnapped on the day of his daughter's birthday and he's imprisoned for 15 years for no apparent reason uh, from his perspective. And all of a sudden he gets let out and he's trying to find his captor within five days. So you expect this going into it to be a revenge story. For like finding out why he was kidnapped for fifteen years, mm-hmm. and it really turns out it's a revenge story, but not for who you think it would be for. Yeah,
1: it's it literally like it goes out of left field. Like I don't think you can watch this movie and know what's going to happen at the end. Um, mm-hmm. so obviously spoilers ahead because we have to talk about what happened at the end. Um, yeah. so he's imprisoned for fifteen years, basically in a room. You have no idea where he is. Um. But he basically kind of, like, bulks up. He's like, I'm going to, like, beat the shit out of the person who did this to me. And in the beginning, you're, like, you're not really sure what's happening. Because he gets let out with, like, a suit. He gets a cell phone. Like, there are some people who are, like, giving him things and are like, I don't know what's going on, but, you know, just take this. And then he meets this girl. She's a chef. And he kind she kind of, like, takes him in and um, she's much younger than him, and she takes him in and kind of is, like, interested. He wrote everything down that was happening to him, so she kind (laughs) of wants to help him. I was pretty, like, hesitant of her because you don't know why she wants to help him, and she seems to really like him.
0: Yeah, which is certainly weird because he tried to attack her, like,
1: as
0: soon as he woke up, so as soon as that happened, I was like, this is fucked up, but they ended up still being together and like you said, she wants to help him unravel what's going on because he really doesn't have any resources at this point because while he was in prison, he learned that uh, his wife was murdered and that he was framed for his murder. And then he goes looking for his daughter for a short period of time, but realizes, oh, she was adopted. Still, so like, oh, at least she's got a good life. Yeah. Um, so the woman from the sushi restaurant is helping him track down who the mastermind was of all this and they start with tracking down the dumpling place where he was given dumplings for 15 years while in jail. Yeah. So we do have a good, like, taste-testing dumpling montage. There which is. I, yeah, and they end up tracking down the delivery man and, like, finding the prison where he was and ultimately um, finding the mastermind who just tells him, like, you, you're, I'm doing this to you because you talk too much. And you're kind of left with this question, like, well, like, what did he say? Because he doesn't know what he said.
1: Yeah, and he has the opportunity. So once he tracks the guy down, he's like, you have the opportunity to kill me, and you'll know, like, who did this to you, but you you won't know why. And then he gives him five days, and he's like, you know what? If you don't know why in five days, I'm going to kill that girl you were with. And he was like, oh, okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he basically ends up finding out that... When he was, I guess, in high school, before he moved to Seoul, he saw um, this girl who had died. He had seen her kind of um, in, like, a sexual way with with her brother, uh-huh. um, and she ends up dying. And at first, you're like, okay, um, and he told someone. He was like, oh, I saw her with this guy. I don't think he, he didn't know that that yeah. was her brother, um, uh-huh. but it ends up starting this terrible rumor that she's a slut, and she ends up dying, and then you go to the the what's happening now, and he goes, oh, that was you, like, you were her brother, you had sex with your sister, um, and I'm sorry, like, I, I talked about this, but that's why, like, that's why you put me in jail, because I talked too much, and, like, that was the one moment, and I was like, okay, like, that's, like, a very small moment for someone who was sleeping with his sister, like, that's that's, like, um, a lot to do. And then mm-hmm. you, you realize that uh, it was just, oh, sorry, I'd, like, um, and then the, the guy who had, who had kidnapped him was, like, oh, that's not what I did. Like, doing this for 15 years, that was just one part of, of, of your kind of torture. And you realize he had hypnotized both him um, and the girl he was seeing. Um, so that they would, like, meet up and kind of fall in love. And the girl he was seeing who he had sex with was his daughter. Yeah. I, I I literally, like, could not understand. I was, like, this, like, I was so fucked up.
0: Yeah, it really makes you want to pause the movie and be like, hold on a second, what is going on here? Because when you hear that, it's so messed up that someone would go through so much trouble to do that and especially the the reveal it's done through a book so um the main character is like flipping through and i forget his name um paul let me see what his name is um anyway he's like flipping through a photo album and it's a picture of him his wife and his daughter and he keeps flipping through it and it's his like young daughter who he like remembers because there's photos of and then it becomes the the girl from the sushi place, and he kind of realizes, like, oh my god, I had sex with my daughter. Um, and, and freaks and out. Is saying that we're also going to like we have her and we have the same like book, and we're gonna show her as well. And he ends up like begging, like, no, don't do that. Like, you can't do that. Um, just because he's so. Um, I guess ashamed, but I kind of don't want to use the word ashamed because of what happens next in the movie, but...
1: Um, well, he cuts off no his one. tongue.
0: Yeah, he pretends to be like a dog and is like licking uh, the master's foot mm-hmm. um, and then cuts out his tongue.
1: Yeah, and then...
0: The the mastermind ends up committing suicide, and um, the guy goes back to the hypnotist he saw and said, I want to forget that's my daughter which is why I didn't want to use the word ashamed because obviously he isn't ashamed if he wants to continue that relationship. Yeah. Um. And you're shown the last shot of him and the the daughter, like, embracing, and you can kind of see in his eyes, like, you're not sure if he's... Like, there's this look of sorrow because I kind of got the sense, like, the hypnotism didn't work and he still remembers. Yeah.
1: That I, think that I, th- I think that as well. Um. Honestly the the master the guy who thought all this up is is insane like the amount of detail you have to do to to get this done like that he he was like oh I adopted your daughter and mm-hmm. raised her so I can do this to you yeah um he also there's this whole thing where he has a pacemaker and he's like oh I have a a little switch so that um like when I want to die I can do it and um, at the end of the movie like once the main character um, his name is De Su, he cut off his tongue um, mm-hmm. and is kind of just, like left there the master goes to the elevator he presses the button and it's not the pacemaker it's a tape of him and his daughter having sex and he can hear it
0: oh my god and that was just yeah. like
1: painful I was like this is this is a lot everything comes yeah. out of left field I have no like mm-hmm. It was yeah. If you haven't seen this or you need a good rewatch, like it was it was insane. I also just like I enjoyed um just kind of the style. There's a lot of like fun stylistic choices. Um there's a moment when he's like running from the dumpling place to the um where he was held and it's kind of like a it's a tilted, and he's just, like, running straight up. I really like that scene. I thought that was, like, well shot. <laughs> there's another scene when he's has this hammer. And oh, yeah. to the guy who was basically looking after him when he was locked up for those 15 years, is trying to get his gun, and there's, like, these little dots that connect the hammer to his head as if, like, this is what's going to happen. Um, there's also... I forgot what scene where there was, like, words on the screen. Um... Just like those are like some just some fun like stylistic choices that I think lighten what what is like a very dark movie.
0: Yeah, it's a weird combination of that because there definitely are some scenes like or like that which are just very different from everything else that's going on. Yeah. Um, the other scene I really liked was the hallway fight scene.
1: Yeah, that was I'm great. Thinking,
0: like three days to film. Um, and also a fun fact. Uh, the one scene at the very beginning where he's eating the squid. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the um the director when he was won the grand it's called the grand prix at Cannes in two thousand fourteen. Like mm-hmm. uh, he thanked the four squids who gave their lives for that scene. Wait, they were
1: alive? Yeah, they were all alive.
0: They, the one was live, and it took four times
1: to get that right. Oh god, that was an intense scene as well. Um, yeah. I I did I did enjoy this movie. It definitely like I had to like sit sit with it for, like, 30 minutes after I watched it.
0: Yeah, it makes me... Because I remember the first time I watched it, like, I was thinking about it, like, three days later, and I'm still like, damn, that was just so, so fucked up. Um, yeah. I love the score of this movie, too. Same. Uh, before Did you... I watched the movie, uh, there was, like, a YouTube uh, list of uh, scores that I would always listen to, and this would always come up, and I would always look at the cover of it, and it was always, like, him sitting next to the daughter. And I was always like, "Oh, like, I wonder what this movie's about, because, like, it's such a beautiful score. Uh, and it's very juxtaposing to um, the content of the movie.
1: Yeah, it's a very, it's kind of, like, classical. Um, yeah, it goes really well with the fight scenes. I actually really, like, liked it. mm mm-hmm. um, But, yeah, you definitely have to, like, sit with this movie and, like, think about what you just watched hmm um yeah I would
0: yeah so I would definitely recommend this movie but I would only recommend it to certain people because I feel like sometimes it's just like a lot to take in at
1: once yeah if you're like not really... used to it yeah mm-hmm. like if you haven't seen like other like super fucked up movies like <laughs> this is the first one introducing you to it um like I, yeah, you, I don't know if you would enjoy it as much, like, obviously, like, same thing with Gaslight, where, like, I knew we were doing psychological thrillers, Uh um, so I, I was expecting, like, to be, like, anxious and to have intense, like, nothing to, to what happens in this movie, and, like, the director, I give him credit, because it was amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if you're gonna watch this movie, and you're worried about, oh, what should I, like, is this too intense for me, maybe start with Handmaiden.
1: I agree, yeah. And work your I agree. This definitely handmade is great, um, but it's nowhere near kind of like what the twists and turns in this one. Um, But any other last thoughts? Uh, No, not for me. No last thoughts.
0: Oh boy, there's too many thoughts. We'd be here all day.
1: That's true. Um, So our next movie is Run, which was, I think, released 2020, no? Yeah, that was
0: 2020.
1: Um, and this is about um, kind of um, like a Munchausen syndrome movie where there's um, a girl who kind of starts to realize that her mother might be hurting her instead of helping her. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of trying to see, like, what's real and what's not real. Um, and then, so, it's essentially two people. That's the whole movie. Um, you have Diana, who's the mother, and... Um, Basically, her whole life is her daughter. Um, Her daughter's name is Chloe, and she's very sick. Um, She has paralysis, so she's in a wheelchair. She has diabetes. She has asthma. She has other, like, heart disease, another heart disease. Um, And she's kind of old enough to go to college, so you kind of have that, like, looming around in the background. And this is another movie you recommended as well. Yeah,
0: this is one of my favorite movies of 2020, just because I think it's so well-acted, and, uh, once again, spoilers, but it's, you know, going into this kind of based on the poster because it's very ominous. You've got um, Sarah Paulson's character, uh, Diane, in the background, and you have uh, Chloe's character, who's played by um, Kira Allen, like in her wheelchair, like screaming on the poster. Yeah. Um, and it's very much based on uh, Stephen King's misery, where it's like capture captive. Um, Kind of cat and mouse game. And so you know going into this that it's going to be that kind of battle of intelligence almost.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it's just really well done because both characters are really smart in what they're doing. Yeah. And how Diane is trying to keep her daughter captive and how um, Chloe is trying to get out of the situation and try to find out about uh, what exactly, like, what medication is my mother giving me and, like, what does this do? Um,
1: yeah, I guess. I give credit to Chloe. Who's the actress that plays her? Um, oh, uh, Kira Allen. Kira Allen. So Kira Allen actually is in a wheelchair, so it's not an abled actor um, playing this character. But she's literally like an action hero yeah. in this movie. Like the things mm-hmm. she does and like, li- she's so smart in how she has to do things. It's because there are certain things she she like can't do or certain things her mother does to kind of mm-hmm. keep her this way. Um so I give like credit to her like she was so good um and so smart but you, it kind of starts off with like Sarah Paulson in the hospital and there, there's a bunch of these doctors who are looking over a baby and Sarah Paulson comes that she's in like the baby's in an incubator and she's like oh is she is my baby going to be okay and then it flashes back forward to the future And obviously Chloe's like going to college, and she kind of sees like what she does every day, what she has to go through. Like she's homeschooled, she's completely isolated, and like how little seeds of doubt, um, is kind of planted. And it starts with her mom like goes to the grocery store, and the daughter, when the mom's away, wants to get some chocolate. But she's diabetic, so her mom's like very specific about when she gets chocolate. And she sees these pills. And they it, it says it's for Diane. She's like, oh, she's like, that's interesting. Like, I thought these were my medication. And she gets those same um, med that same medication at night. And she's like to her mom, oh, I thought this said your like your name was on it. And her mom's like, honey, that's the receipt. <laughs> and I was like, you're gaslighting your own daughter. I know. I was just.
0: I have that written down in my notes, like. Diane is a stellar gaslighter because what she says and how she acts around other people is so believable. Yeah. Like if you just walked into the situation, you would be like, Oh yeah, like that totally makes
1: sense. Yeah, and then Chloe's like still not convinced. So she takes the bottle down and she realizes that the she put a label over it. And I, I think that also makes her think like what else am I taking? So she yeah. stops, I think, taking all of her medication.
0: Yeah, because she's hiding it in her piggy bank. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and then she's trying to figure out, there's one pill that's green, and she's trying to figure out what exactly that one does. hmm Because um, I believe one? it's called Trigoxin. Yeah. I think that's the one. Yeah. And she goes, well, first of all, she's trying to get information over the phone, but she can't directly call the pharmacy because they know her number, and, uh, and she picks up the phone. And she's like, "Oh, Diane, like this is the first time you're calling from this number," so she puts it back down. So she starts calling, uh, calling random people on the phone to get information, which isn't something I would think of. But it was like really smart to do yeah. to get someone else to Google that information for her. Yeah. Um, and then there's the other scene, which is really the main turning point for uh, the relationship between Chloe and Diane, where they go to the movies together, and Chloe said, "Oh, I'm just gonna run to the bath or like go to the bathroom." fast and uh goes out across the street uh to the pharmacy and is asking all these questions and it turns out the medication she's been taking is for dogs uh and it's a um oh gosh what's that word it starts with a t and
1: like mm. they said it would like numb if humans would take it it would numb her it would numb like their legs
0: yeah
1: uh chloe rightfully so, starts to freak the fuck out. Yeah. And the mom comes back, and she's like, everyone has to get away, she's having an attack, and Chloe's trying to say, like, get away from me, and the mom, like, injects her with something.
0: Mm-hmm. She wakes up the next morning, and, like, the front door is locked, the mother is there, and that kind of leads to the most intense sequence of the movie, because yeah. she's trying to uh, get out, and she has to go on the roof, Around to her mother's room, break open the window to unlock her door, to get down the steps. Like
1: yeah, to no, get out. It, yeah, it's a lot. Like the what the what she has to do in order to, like just go downstairs, um, is insane. Like she's crawling on the roof. Yeah. Um, and I there's like that that one shot where it's like a wide shot of the house, and you just see her like creeping out of the window. Um, I, I know
0: that it was just so well done, and you're just, like, on the edge of the, your seat the whole time, because you're just, like, I literally don't know what's gonna happen from Yeah. You know where it's gonna end up, but, like, you don't know what exactly Chloe's going to do to get out of that
1: situation. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, you definitely know, like, the ending of this movie, but you don't know how she's gonna get there, so I think, like, that's what makes it stressful. Um, yeah. And then you realize, like, the phone's co- disconnected, so she, like, basically has to fall down the stairs in order to get downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of goes out, and she's like wheeling herself down the road and she sees a car and it's the mailman Tom um and she tells him she's like my mom's abusing me and then the mom comes back god bless Tom who was like oh um you know what like Diane this is what she's telling me I have to believe her Mm -hmm. and then and then Diane like poisons Tom honestly I think she kills Tom I don't know about you I
0: yeah I don't want to believe that because I don't want Tom to be dead because he was really such a great guy. Like he was I know. Really good for Chloe, um, yeah, I think she—he's definitely
1: dead though, unfortunately. Yeah, I think so too. And then she wakes up again in the basement, um, which right. is where it's her mom's space. Obviously, it, she she doesn't go in it, um, uh-huh. and this is where you realize like her mom has a full-on pharmacy of medication that she's been giving, um, and this is where also like, this is one of the twists where I didn't see coming where Diane actually, she finds out Diane stole her. So Uh Diane's actual daughter, Chloe, died that day in the hospital, that first scene in the movie. And then she takes Chloe, and Chloe sees pictures of her standing as a child, and she's, like, really confused. She's like, what does this mean? Like, how did I get to this point where I'm so sick? Yeah. And, um... I don't know what, what you thought this was, but then Diane is making, like, this black sludge. Yeah, because I
0: didn't know what the black sludge was, but after I finished watching it, I, I was Googling, like, what happens if you inject yourself with paint thinner? Because uh, Diane was saying, like, oh, like, how could you ever say I want to kill you? And I couldn't tell if she was lying in that moment or not. Mm-hmm. Because it's yeah. part of me believe that, like, she wants Chloe as, like, helpless as possible but doesn't want her dead and I kind of did believe that but yeah you can die from injecting yourself with a paint thinner for sure that definitely
1: Um, makes sense and Um, then the
0: other thing that uh, while uh, Diane's going after her with the paint thinner in the the needle um, Chloe locks herself in the closet and decides to start or gets uh, it's called I don't know. I don't know what it's called, but it's some kind of insecticide. Mm -hmm. So Diane opens the door and is like, you need me more than I need you, and starts drinking the insecticide, which drives Diane to actually need to take her to a hospital.
1: Yeah, and it's when you get to the hospital, like there's like a throwaway line where one of the doctors starts talking to Diane, and it's like, oh, that's weird. She's had like 12 primary doctors in the last six years. Mm -hmm. Like that's interesting. Um, like, what are her other records? And the whole thing is that Chloe is obviously presumed that she had tried to commit suicide, so the mom can't take her home. And at this point, I was like, oh, cool, like, this is the end. Like, Diane yeah. can't get, her, get to her. But I was wrong, <laughs> because <laughs> then there's, like, a code blue, so the nurse that Chloe was trying to communicate with leaves, and Diane takes her, and she's like, we're going to, you know, go away, and we're going to do this, and then... Um, the nurse, thank God, Chloe had written something down, um, mom, and the nurse realizes that there's, like, something weird going on, so she gets to the, like, the security, and there's last moment where, basically, Diane's like, I'm going to, like, go. She has a gun. Um, and you think Diane's dead. Like, the police show up, and they shoot her, and she falls down the stairs. hmm And I honestly thought Diane was dead, um... But she's- Diane's a hard
0: worker, though, so she isn't dead. She's still alive.
1: She's still alive, and Chloe visits her every month to give her the tranquilizer medicine that she that Diane was giving her.
0: Once Chloe is older and she's going to visit Diane, like, wherever she is, and is giving her the same t- tranquilizer pills, that's the part that kind of, not confused me, but I can kind of see it going either way. For Is Chloe really the kind of person who is going to now seek revenge on the mother the whole entire life. Um, Or, like, why did she just leave the mother alone? I don't know. That part was just very interesting to me because we just had never seen that side of Chloe before, of being (laughs)
1: like
0: that. But it was definitely uh, an interesting way to end the movie.
1: Yeah. I definitely, I wasn't expecting that. I think just because from what you see of Chloe, she's not very, like, conniving and, like, mean spirited and I can see obviously why she's doing this just to like get mm-hmm. back on her mother for like you know whatever she she took away she took her away from her family mm-hmm. so I can see why it was definitely really interesting I was like oh I wasn't expecting that as like our ending to the movie um yeah. but overall I can see why this was on your list for like best of 2020 because this really was uh a, a well done well done yeah I just
0: thought it was like a sharp movie you know? I agree um. um any, any other um final words about Run before we sign off?
1: I would definitely say go see it if you want to see um what Claire and I thought our top five movies of 2020 were. Follow us on Instagram, making sense of movies, uh, underscore in between each word. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Bye. Bye.